that's really about the length of what we can think. It's about nine years. Tomorrow, me and Rachel will be married 24 years. That's hard to believe. I think we were back, talking about coming up here, riding up here. And we was talking about the, you know, the day we got married and whatnot, and I was thinking about it. And I look back on it, and it just seemed like just a, we'd just been married, you know, just a minute. But then I get thinking about specific things that happen when the kid's young and whatever. I think, boy, that does seem like a long time now. That seems like a long time. But about all that we, all that you and I can think, it's about 90 years. 90 years is a lifetime. And so eternity seems like 90 years. But see, God doesn't think about things in a finite mind. He's infinite. He's infinite. We cannot even begin to understand eternity. Think about it like this. Listen to me just a minute. Somebody said, describe eternity. They said, well, if an eagle was soaring around Mount Rushmore, and every year that eagle came around and brushed his feathers along Mount Rushmore and knocked a little dust off, did that every year, said, if you can imagine how long it would take that eagle to completely erode away Mount Rushmore, then you'd have a little idea of what eternity might be. It's a long time. It's a long time. And boy, and I tell you, when you think about eternity, it sure does pay to know where you're headed for if something's going to last that long. And one of the blessedness in Christ is that you and I can pillow our head, better say, can pillow our head at night knowing that our eternal position is in Christ and that we have been appointed in him. So there's the appointment in Christ. But then we see in this verse another blessing. We see the adoption in Christ. Look at verse 5. Having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now I want you to notice, if you will, God's purpose in adoption. I'm going to teach you something right here tonight that you may not have ever heard or ever known. We think, about, we think about being born again, how we get in the family of God. Can I report this to you? You don't get into the family of God by being adopted. You get born then. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. That's how everybody initially gets into the family of God. It's through regeneration by the new birth going through the blood of Christ. You say, well, preacher, it says right there we're adopted. Yeah. You know what happens when we get born again, God through his miraculous power automatically adopts and marries us. Now that's, that's mind-blowing that he chooses. You talk about a blessing. Now why does he do that? Why as soon as we're born again, soon as we're born again, why is it that God immediately gives us the spirit of adoption and marries us into the family? I want you to think about this. In order that... In order to have complete family rights, and in order to enjoy the heir, be an heir of the family, that was only available to adult children. And so a newborn babe in Christ would not possess all the rights and all the heirs that would come with being a newborn babe. But don't fret, because the instant that you got saved and birthed into the family of God and born again, 
he immediately put in you the spirit of adoption, which is to seat you as a full-grown son. And he didn't end that, but he made you a part of the bride of Christ. That is, you have all the rights of someone who is married into the family. What are you trying to say, preacher? Well, he seen to it that he placed us in the family in every way that he possibly can so that we have the full rights of an adult that has been placed into the family of God. Nobody's able to be ahead of us. Nobody's able to claim anything. We have full rights in the family of God. I've been made an heir and a joint heir. An heir and a joint heir. Remember when I told you about my, I told you just a minute ago about my uh, Uncle Ben dying. I, I call him Uncle Ben, but he wasn't my uncle. He was my cousin or third cousin or fourth cousin or something like that. And uh, he had family, you know, that they divided the, the money up among. He had some double first cousins. <laughs> they were heirs and joint heirs. They got more than everybody else. Let's let me tell you that right now. Some of y'all say amen. Them heirs and joint heirs, they got more. And then there was some that was just first cousins. They got less. They were just heirs. But did you know that when we got saved, we got birthed in, adopted in, and married in. That means we've got an heirship in every way that you can get an heirship. By, by, by birth, uh, by adoption, uh, by marriage. Boy, that ought to make a wooden Indian shout. Uh, because we became heirs and joint heirs. They won't nobody get any more or less than what I get because I have been put into the family of God every way that you can possibly be put in. So we see his, his purpose, but then we see his pleasure. Look at verse 5. I love this verse. Having predestined us to the adoption of the children of Jesus Christ himself according, according to his good pleasure. Did you know that it was God's pleasure to do that for you? Just think, stop and think about that just a minute. It was God's pleasure. It's God's pleasure to do that for you. To give you all those things. Make you heirs and join heirs. Seat you together in heavenly places. You say, oh God, thank you, Lord, thank you. God, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for placing me in the family. Lord, thank you for making me an heir and joining heir. Here's what he said, my pleasure. My pleasure. I wanted you to have that. <laughs> I wanted you to be in the family like that. I wanted to take care of you. Oh, Lord, thank you, God, for taking care of Oh, that's my pleasure. I wanted it to be that way. According to his good pleasure. It delights him to help him, help us. It delights him to help us. You know, uh, the youngins. They, uh, they need things from time to time. Seems like the older they get, the more they need. Oh, I said that out loud, didn't I? And uh, I always want to give my youngins a leg up on life because my mom and daddy always gave me a leg up on life. And so my daddy used to always say, as long as I had a dime, as long as he had a dime, I had a nickel. That's what he said. As long as I got a dime, you got a nickel. But most of the time, what it ended up being is I had eight cents, and he had two pennies. Cause when I got older, you know, and uh, so Trail say, "Pick that up for me, and I'll pay you back." Never seen no money for that, but no, I'm kidding. He does all right. 
He does all right. But I want to give him a leg up in life, be able to help him, and uh, be able to help your young'uns and see them do something good with it. What well, makes you feel good? You say, boy, it's my pleasure to get to help you that way. That's, that's, that's the parent. That's the parenting you see. And uh, the Bible talks about that. It said, you know how to give good gifts uh, to your children. Well, how much more then does God know how to give? So don't you know when he gives good gifts to us and he sees us be appreciative of it, sees us use it for something good, he said, that's my pleasure. I want to help you right there. And that's exactly what this verse said. This verse said that we've been adopted according to his good pleasure. Well, that ought to make us everyone say, glory, hallelujah. I'm glad that I got a God love me that much. So we see that we're appointed. We see that we're adopted. Then lastly, we see that we're accepted in Christ. This is amazing. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the blood. Accepted. That is our eternal position. Our eternal position is to be accepted in the blood. There's not a thing I can do about that. I want to say that one more time. I want you to hear what I'm saying. There's not a thing I can do about it. You say, well, preacher, what if I, there ain't anything I can do about it. I, I, what if I go out and commit a murder? You'll still be accepted in the blood. If you ever was truly saved, you'll still be accepted in the blood. That is your eternal position in Christ. There's nothing, positionally, now listen, there's some things that I can do that'll change my relationship with God, of course. It'll hurt my relationship with him. It'll hurt my walk with him. But my position with him will never change. That's hard to understand. That's hard to understand. There's times I get so mad at my youngins, I can smack their teeth out. Now, come on, y'all acting like you don't. I heard one get a, I heard one get a spanking right as we start to pray, and I started to say, pray for that youngin that's got a whooping. Mine's grown. Sometimes I like to smack her teeth out. But you know what? Doesn't change the fact they're, they, they can't do anything. They can't do anything to change the fact they're my youngin. It might, my, Brother Gary, they might make me, make me so mad I wouldn't talk to them for a day or two. Might hurt our relationship, but they, they can't do anything. Change the fact. Change the fact. See what I'm saying? Positionally, they can't do anything about it. Now, one, the, one, day, I, one day I was having a, an, a conversation with a fellow that believed you save one second, sneeze, lose your salvation. You know, he'd been saved 45 times. And me and him was talking about it. And he said, well, he said, tell you right now, I could disown a child. I said, you could. Still be your younger. <laughs> he said, no. Now, I said, well, it would be too. I mean, you could disown it, change its name. Go up to the, go up to the courthouse and take everything out of that young'un's name. That still don't change the fact that that's your young. Positionally, you can't undo that. That right, them three right there, they're mine. Regardless of what they do, that's my children. So positionally, we've been made accepted in the blood. That's not a thing I can do about that. Thank God for it. There wasn't a thing I could do to be saved. There's nothing I can do to stay saved. 
if there was something I could do for either one, I'd mess it up. Let me just park right there to submit. She said, I'm not sure about that preacher. I believe a man can do so much, go so far, lose salvation. I want you to think about this. Just consider it. Now, if something was, if, if, if that's true, if you could do something that would cause God to divorce his bride, cause God to disown his child, cause God to somehow cut off his part of his body, so that's what would have to happen for me to get lost. For me to get lost, God would have to divorce me. He'd have to disown me. And he would have to cut me off, mutilate his body. That's what, all of that would have to happen for me to get lost. Wouldn't you agree that would be a pretty big deal? Why wouldn't God put that in the Bible? They sing a verse. If, if it's that big of a deal, why wouldn't God say, if thou dost this, thou shalt lose thine salvation. Why wouldn't he put something that big of a deal in your Bible? I mean, you think about it. Wouldn't that make sense, a God of grace and a God of mercy? Don't you think he'd put that in the Bible? Something to think about. My position, I didn't, I didn't even, that's not even my notes. I didn't tend to preach on that, but God just led me that way. My position, as far as being a son, can't, can't ever be changed. But now I can do things to estrange myself. As bad as I'd hate to, there might be a, something that, Youngins might do one day, and I just say, I can't, I can't condone that. I can't be around that. That's just hurt our relationship so bad that we don't speak like we used to have the kind of relationship we used to have. Well, wouldn't that be sad? I think a lot of Christians do that. It doesn't change the fact that they're still a child. So we're accepted in the blood. What does that mean to be accepted? That means when God looks at me, he don't see me anyhow. He sees the righteousness of Christ. That's how I become accepted in the blood. And so when he looks at me, he says, you are accepted. That's a blessing beyond belief. Is that I have become accepted in the blood. That's what Paul's teaching right here in the book of Ephesians. We become accepted. We're predestined. We've been uh, predestined to be accepted in the blood. Now let's look at this. Accepted in the blood, we see the reception of grace. Then we see the relatives of grace. Look at this right here in verse 6. The Bible said, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the blood. I want you to look at that word, us. (laughs) He hath made us accepted. That is the family. The family. I, uh, Together, we represent the family of God. And that's the born again, birth into the family. We represent the family of God. And there ain't nothing the devil can do about that. Eternally accepted in the blood. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? I'm glad, to, I'm glad this evening I have been eternally accepted in the blood. And there ain't anything the devil can do about it. Not a thing he can do about it. I've been eternally accepted. In the blood. Well, that's a blessing of salvation. If you'll stay with me for a few Sunday nights, I'm going to show you several blessings of salvation. There's this blessedness of being in Christ. I've been put placed in Him. And if that'll dawn on you, if that'll dawn on you, son, it'll help you. It'll help you. It'll help you service for the Lord. If that'll dawn on you, 
that you're secure, be placed in him. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach tonight.